Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt podcast is a gentleman who kind of runs a little bit of the fandom, uh, the English language covering uh, TSG Hoffenheim. Uh, that's Ryan O'Grady. Uh, Ryan, uh, welcome to Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Uh, so, Hoffenheim, a team that uh, for some, you know, just like a purist, kind of, they start... Uh, wrinkling their nose at the and just all sorts of other kind of reactions when they think of Hoffenheim. But uh, a, a team that, uh, for you, you kind of developed a organic relationship with this club. Where did your relationship with Hoffenheim uh, kind of gestate from? Um, so I guess it, it started, I grew up actually abroad when I was a lot younger. When I was primary school age, I lived in Asia, so I didn't really have a, an English team, so to speak. Um, in case any listeners aren't aware, I am based in England. Um, but for uh, about secondary school age, I moved. So that'll be middle or high school for your American listeners. I moved back to the UK and I started to uh, gain a bit of an interest in the Bundesliga. And at the same time, I read about this team called Hoffenheim, this small village team in the in the top flight. And at the time, you know, I was only just new to the Bundesliga. I didn't really fully understand the 50 plus one. The, the whole plastic club idea, that kind of thing. So I started playing with Hoffenheim on FIFA, the video game, and I kind of just fell in love with the idea. So this is about in 2010 this happened. So I remember then later on for my 16th birthday, I asked, you know, could I go watch Hoffenheim in Germany? And obviously my parents thought I was crazy, but eventually they let me go. And, um, you know, that kind of really set it off for me that this was, this was the team for me. Mm. An interesting uh, story there. Um, that being said, uh, you kind of joined at a good time uh, for Hoffenheim, yeah. just kind of That's joining true. the Bundesliga with some very good players, including uh, American Reyes Vedad Ibisevic. Um, Hoffenheim has gone through a lot of uh, ups and downs. Uh, we're currently, uh, I would it be safe to say, with uh, the leaving of Nagelsmann, have we left the golden age of Hoffenheim behind or uh, is there a new kind of uh, era with Hoffenheim that is uh, under the current management? Um, it, it's hard to say to be honest. I think it, it, it'll be a struggle to get to the heights that we did on the Nagelsmann where we finished third and obviously in the Champions League we, we managed to get a few few decent away days in the Champions League to places like Lyon and to Manchester as well but I think that um, before Nagelsmann, we were kind of hovering under under Marcus Gisdol in about the seventh or eighth position. And I think that if we take that as the mean, that under Schroeder, I think we'll regress back to the mean. And that I think currently now we're in seventh, I believe. And I, I think that's as things stand, that's really our the position where we belong, so to speak. That you know, if you look at our squad, if you look at the changes that we went through both in the summer and throughout the first half of this season, that I think that. To be in seventh place going into the rook runder, you have to you have to be happy with that going forward. Indeed, uh, in, in the ever changing uh, football landscape, uh, Bundesliga clubs have got to adapt to survive. Hoffenheim has had quite a few guys go in, go out. You guys have had a bumpy start to the season, then you had a really good run uh, there in October and November. And kind of wanting to get some of the players that have kind of come in and come out. Um, who for you, uh, uh, 
one that name that comes to mind is Sebastian Rudy, who uh, has returned to Hoffenheim. But uh, what are some of the other players that people might not be aware of that have been major contributors to uh, that have joined uh, Hoffenheim uh, for this season? Um, it's been an interesting one this season in terms of transfers. So obviously during the summer, not only did we lose Nagelsmann, but we also lost the likes of Joe Linton, Amiri, Demir Bay, and Nico Schultz to various different clubs. So, I mean, you can just by me listing off those names, you can see that we've lost quite a bit of the spine of the team. So we, we made a few signings in the summer. We signed um, Samaseku from uh, Austria and uh, the Malian International. And he, he's been unfortunate, really. He's been injured for most of this season so far. So we've yet to see a lot of him. And in terms of attacking positions, we signed two players. So we signed Robert Sko from um, Copenhagen and we signed Elas Bebu from Hanover. Both of which, like the club, really, have gone through their ups and downs. So, to start with, Bebu really didn't look very good at all, to be perfectly honest. Um, a lot of fans, including myself, were calling him for him to be dropped. And then all of a sudden, the club goes on this six-game winning streak, including beating Bayern in Munich for the first time in the club's history, which obviously coincided with Bebu's uptick in form, along with Skov as well. And I think that all of a sudden, again, that, that turned on its head with a, quite frankly, embarrassing 5-1 loss at home to Mainz, that, which ended the run and started a winless run. And I think that's coincided with the the new signings with their highs and their lows. I think that there's a clear correlation there. And also, we've had issues this year in defence. So Kevin Vogt, who's our captain, who, who was our captain, I should say, um, for a number of years, including Nongan Nagasman and to be honest, he's a big part of the reason that we qualified for Europe in the first place. He really hasn't been the same player the last year and a half or so, and he's really our leader. And, and this January, actually, uh, the captaincy was given to Benjamin Hubner, an, another central defender, and Vogt was actually loaned out to Veda Bremen for the rest of the season. And a lot of people are, are taking this to be that Vogt clearly doesn't get along with Alfred Schroer, the new manager, and maybe he's gambling that come the end of the season, depending on how the rest of the games go, Schroeder might not be around, at which point he can return. I mean, I'm of the opinion that the defence is in need of a reboot. We have a couple of younger defenders coming through that look like they could be very promising. So I, I'm in need, that, I'm in, of, the, of the opinion that this is really a transition year for Hoffenheim. So again, as I mentioned earlier, seventh is about our accurate position. And if I'm being perfectly honest, at the start of the year, if you'd offered me seventh, I probably would have taken it. And an uh, in- interesting kind of spot that you guys are currently in. Uh, you guys cleaned up, uh, as you mentioned, the, the sales of Amiri and Joel Linton, Schultz and Denverby brought in quite a lot of money into Hoffenheim. And you guys have, you know, yeah. not hesitated in terms of spending it. One player who I was kind of surprised uh, made his exit, I wanted to kind of go over that with you, is, uh, well, uh, uh, the uh, Italian of Vincent Grifo, who has returned back to Freiburg, where uh, he really developed a name for himself. What kind of, what kind of stopped his development with Hoffenheim? Because it, because it looked for a while there that you guys had just, you know, kind of reloaded and had more and more players uh, to be able to just uh, wreak havoc on the Bundesliga. Uh, but he didn't really come off as well as some other ones. Yeah, it's it's a weird one with Grifo. So, um, if any of the listeners aren't aware of Grifo, he he originally was at Hoffenheim, went to Freiburg, 
um, did really well and went on to Gladbach and then it didn't work out there. So he came back to Hoffenheim. And so this is a spell we're talking about just now where he's now moved on against a Freiburg. So at Hoffenheim last season, he was playing behind Demirbay, who, um, you know, is was on the edges of the Germany team for a little while. He's a really top quality player, in my opinion, in, in the attacker midfield role. So obviously Grifo was in behind him and Grifo doesn't really suit, in my opinion, at least the, the holding midfielder. He doesn't really, that doesn't really suit his game. So he seemed to be waiting for his chance for Demirbay to move on, which obviously Demirbay does this past summer to Leverkusen. So it seems it's all set up for Grifo to then take on the mantle, start playing in the first team regularly. And then all of a sudden he's sold to Freiburg. It, it didn't really make sense to me, to be honest, but it seems that the club have decided, you know, a decent offer came in. I think it was Freiburg's record signing, I believe, at about 7 million euros. And we have a young player coming through now called Christoph Baumgartner, who plays in the same position. And um, he's only recently come into the side and he's looked, he's looked to be quite the prospect. So I'm wondering, maybe does the club have this in the works when they decided to let him go? Interesting indeed. Um, some other names that kind of come out to me uh, looking over the uh, Hoffenheim roster, players that people will recognize. Uh, Kramaric as one, the, the Croatian who, you know, couldn't, uh, he made the move from Croatia uh, to uh, England. That didn't come off, but has you know, uh, been the kind of like stall, uh, I would say a pretty strong contributor. It does, uh, his number, uh, it doesn't look like he's kind of been making the same number of appearances after scoring in double digits for, uh, each of the last three seasons. Um, is that down to him being injured or it, a uh, change in style that has, uh, scampered his, uh, goal scoring? Um, well, it, it's down to injury. I mean, he's he's clearly our talisman, like you said. He, he's our best player on his day, and he's our main goal threat at the minute. Um, the the problem was that he had this injury, and it, it's a, a it's still not really clear what happened. But there wasn't a a, a a proper diagnosis, so to speak, at least not publicly. And it seemed to be that you know Kramaric will come back when he's ready to come back, and that makes you kind of think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe he's not happy with the club, but it seemed that the club, you know, fully understood that clearly there's something not right with his health. So as he's come back, you know, it, it took him a bit of a while to get going and now he's starting to pick up again. And I think that he was a big part of that six game winning streak that I mentioned earlier. And even since then, since it's not been going as good, really, he's still been a key contributor. So I think that a lot of fans are hoping in the Rook Runda, you know, with the, with a nice break and getting hopefully back to 100% fitness that he can really kick on and power us on. One can one can only uh, hope on that. Uh, looking at the way that you guys uh, started off the season, now you did face uh, the Eintracht in the opening round of the season. Uh, in case people have forgotten, that was one of the more boring uh, wins for the Eintracht this season, and I'm sure, <laughs> Ryan, uh, one match that you guys didn't really want to kind of, re- will not kind of dwell on that too much, but you guys kind of had a bit of mixed results uh, to start off the season before uh, the massive run you had in October kicked off by kicking, you know, Bayern in the butt 2-1 to one in Munich. Uh, what were some of the 
what were some of the things that kind of came together that led you guys to have rattle off five wins in the Bundesliga in a row uh, before uh, before we kind of run into the uh, the post uh, November international slump that you guys had? Yeah, so it it was a weird start to the season, as you say. Obviously, Schroeder coming in this uh, this season, his very first game at home at home to oh sorry away at Frankfurt, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, and then within a minute, he, they concede a goal to Martin Hinteregger. I mean, you, you can't ask for a much worse start to your coaching career than that, really. But I think before that Bayern game, we'd only won one game, I believe, against Werder Bremen. And even that was not the most convincing performance. And then, to be honest, completely out of the blue, we, we go on winning, by, winning Munich with uh, Adamian, our, one of our new signings, um, scoring twice. And... To be honest, I'm still not really sure how it happened. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I mean it was it was one of the, it was one of my best days as a Hoffenheim supporter. I unfortunately wasn't able to watch the game, but I was I was following it on my phone as I was traveling across London, and I think everybody must have thought I was a psychopath because I was smiling from ear to ear the whole way across London. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that I think I think not enough can be said about how much of a confidence boost that that Bayern game was to win in Munich for the first time in your history. I think it was the 18th attempt in Munich, and that was the first victory. So I think that that really powered us on. And then, as you say, it was the international break, and it seems as if complacency set in. Then uh, the first game after the international break was against Mainz, who at the time, obviously still, I think, are in a bit of a relegation battle. And I believe it was one all, and they went down to 10 men and you're thinking oh the club we can kick on and we can play well in the second half and then you go and concede four goals in the second half which is the first time ever in Bundesliga history that's that's happened to a team with 10 men and to be honest it was it was pathetic it was like it was genuinely embarrassing and that really really seemed to affect the team in that the next few games after that I think we also lost quite heavily to Augsburg and I think we had one draw as well, and then we had a couple more losses before we managed to pick up a couple of wins at the end of the year. But as I said earlier, this has really been a transition year with Hoffenheim, and there seems to be extreme highs and then extreme lows, and I'm hoping in the rook run that kind of levels out a bit more and we're a bit more consistent with our performances. Yeah, you guys kind of rattled off some uh, duds before uh, being able to pick up a nice 2-1 win uh, in Berlin at Union. Uh, before getting one of another kind of talismanic victory uh, yeah. for the season, uh, defeating uh, Borussia Dortmund two one, to kind of give you guys that little extra oomph, uh, putting you guys uh, convincingly at seventh place in the Bundesliga as we went into the uh, we went into the. Uh, winter pause. So you guys got a pretty heavy duty slate, even though uh, without playing in Europe this season, uh, you guys will have uh, Bayern in the Pokal, but you have Eintracht, Bremen, Leverkusen, and fr- uh, before facing uh, the Pokal match, kind of a decent, and uh, I would say an easier start playing, uh, getting uh, multiple matches at home in the meantime. What um, while well, during the winter pause, I noticed that you guys went to Spain it uh, for preparation. Has there been any any indication that 
um, Hoffenheim has got a few tricks up their sleeves because it looked like uh, things did not go all too well against Eredivisie opposition. But then again, uh, for these training matches, it's more a matter of uh, team cohesive development than necessarily getting a result over a team that might have fewer resources than you. Yeah, so we had a we had a couple of games, one against Feyenoord and one against um, Ado Den Haag. And to be honest, I don't really think they could have gone much worse. I mean, both games were only lost by one goal, but both of those winning goals came late. And if you know anything about Hoffenheim at all, you know we have a reputation for collapsing late on in games. So for fans, that was extremely frustrating to see that it's continuing to happen. But I think that the main excitement coming from this January window is the fact that we've made... Um, uh, a big money signing, so to speak, in, in the shape of Munas de Boer, the, who was signed for 12 million euros. So that's our, our joint record with Samaseku. So he was signed from Sevilla, where it really didn't go well for him. I think he only had three appearances in the league. And whilst he got a few goals in the Europa League, he certainly didn't set the the Sevilla fans alight with his performances. But he's... Everywhere he's played before Sevilla, so he played at Salzburg, he, he's played at Maccabi Tel Aviv as well. Everywhere he's played before Sevilla, he's been a goal machine. I think for Salzburg, he's scored about 70 goals in about 130 games, so you can see that that's better than one in two games. So he's certainly brought a bit of, added a bit of juice to the to the excitement for the Rook render. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. And then in terms of another thing half an hour known for is promoting promoting youth players, so uh, there's a youth player, and I hope I'm getting his name right, because he's Israeli, so I'm not really an expert on Israeli names, but his name's Eli Elmkees, as far as I'm aware, and he has the unusual um, fact of having played for his national team before he's played a senior game for his club, which is quite an interesting one, so he's a central midfielder, which which you may or may not be aware is a very crowded position for Hoffenheim, so it'd be interesting to see how much game time he gets, but I think that there's a couple of new fresh faces, and that's what's getting the the fans excited for the rook runder. Um, you guys, you guys are one of the Bundesliga teams that still kind of maintains a reserve team playing in the lower echelons of yeah. the table currently in the Regionalliga. Which one is that? The uh, South Sudwest. Yeah. Uh, have you guys? Ilya Elmkis looks like he's kind of. One who's made appearances uh, with the Hoffenheim two team, and uh, has have you guys? And this is something that as Eintracht is one of the teams along with Leverkusen who do no no longer have a reserve team, and I kind of bring this up with people uh, when when it comes up. Do you do you find that you are actually able to properly develop uh, your talent that kind of comes through your youth ranks through the reserve team, or have you found that you're actually getting more production value uh, with your young players who come through your academy who just are dropped straight into the first team? So, um, obviously, this uh, with with Hoffenheim, like a few other German teams, and um, is that you obviously you have the first team, you have the second team who play in the regional league, as you said, but you also have the under-19 side who play in the under-19 Bundesliga. I think, if I'm being if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not really 100% sure what the purpose of the second team is. Because if you have an under-19 team and you have players maybe that age out of that, if they're 
not showing enough promise for the first team and they move on to the second team. I can't off the top of my head recall a player that's not that's gone from the second team to the first team. And I think that the under nineteen under nineteen side, sorry, has had a lot of success in the past. So that was a side that Nagos Man used to manage and in the past they've won the under nineteen Bundesliga, they've won the under nineteen Pokal. So they've had a lot of success with that side and we've seen um players from that side come through the likes of Nadia Mamiri and Dennis Geiger used to play for the under 19s obviously he's now playing for the first team and has recently been linked with Bayern Munich unfortunately as seems to be with every young German international these days and you've also seen um, Christoph Baumgartner he came through the under 19s so um, if I'm being perfectly honest do I see the need for a second team no um, I think that the under 19 serves its purpose and then I think you get more out of loaning players abroad to maybe a perhaps a higher standard. Look at Joe Linton, for example, being loaned out to the top uh, flight in Austria. That clearly worked out for him. He came back to the team. He contributed. He got his move uh, to a bigger club. So I think that going forward, would I be disappointed if the second team were to cease in its existence? I, I don't think I would be. All right. That being said... Uh, with Hoffenheim, uh, kind of stuff that we brought up, where do you see Hoffenheim uh, progressing uh, this Bundesliga season? Um, do you see yourself moving on in the Pokal? It's kind of a tough ask uh, to go to Munich twice uh, in the same season and come away with victories. Um, do you see yourself progressing there? Do you, where do you see your, your squad kind of uh, fill, uh, filling out within the Bundesliga table? Um, uh, the Pokal is a weird one, to be honest, because f- I think for about the last seven or eight years now, we've managed to get past the first round, get to the second round, which was played, I believe, back in October or November. And um, typically we get an away game. It is bizarre, to be honest. We always get an away game in a, Bundes- a Bundesliga side. And this year we got uh, Duisburg, and so obviously they're a lower league German team and we managed to win away from home and then what is our reward for winning in the second round an away trip to Bayern Munich so I don't think you can get much more unlucky than that to be honest but so I think that obviously I'd like to make a run in the cup but let's be honest we've already won in Munich once I can't see them letting us do it again um so I think if we put the Pokal aside and then concentrate on the league um obviously as you mentioned earlier, we're sitting in seventh. Uh, we're, I think, only we're only one point behind the Europa League spots. I believe we're just behind Bayer Leverkusen. But that, I think, going up from, I'm looking at the table now in tenth. We have with 23 points. We have ourselves on set in seventh place with 27 points. So you can see how tight it is there. There's only four points down to tenth, and then again only three points up to fourth. So. It's really who can be the most consistent, in my opinion, in the Rook Runda that will see themselves finish in the European places. And in an ideal scenario, that will be us. But if I'm using the Hinrunda as evidence, I don't see a lot there that proves to me that we're going to be consistent in the Rook Runda. So I think that... I think taking it all into account, losing all the players we did in the summer, getting a new manager in Schroeder... To be able to say that we finished the season in the race for Europe, I think would be a would be a successful season for Hoffenheim. 
Indeed. And let's get right to it. Eintracht versus Hoffenheim. Where do you think? Uh, how do you think things are going to end up? I would go a little bit more into a tactical dive, but uh, it's both coming off of um, interesting uh, winter pause training sessions. I think that uh, tactics, honestly, can be thrown a little bit out the window. Yeah, I think I think the winter pause is the is I guess the great equalizer in this game because I guess if you're looking purely at form before the before the winter break, I think you guys were on a pretty atrocious run if I'm not mistaken. While whilst we weren't much better until the last couple of games of the of the Hinrunde, so I think that both teams uh, being able to take that winter break and almost to reset, so to speak, it's I think it's a very hard game to predict. I think. If I'm right in saying we've lost our last three games to ourselves, so the 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 history books aren't exactly in our favour. But obviously, as a Hoffenheim fan, I'm I'm going to go for the Hoffenheim win. But I think it's certainly going to be a very tight game. I'm thinking things are going to get uh, really dicey for the Eintracht myself. I do foresee the Eintracht coming away away with a point out of the south. But it's going to, uh, unlike uh, early in the season where we got a 1-0 victory, I do think that the Eintracht uh, will not find things very easy uh, this go around uh, as, you know, uh, as we did last year when we visited since time in October and we were able to get the victory and then do the double on you guys. I think that the Eintracht uh, coming away with a 1-1 draw is as much as can be expected. So... Ryan, where can uh, where can people find out more about you and more about Hoffenheim should they proceed to do so? Um, well, I guess uh, for myself, uh, I'm on Twitter. My handle is Hoffenheim UK, so a pretty simple one to remember. Um, I guess if they're really interested in knowing more about the club, feel free to drop me a message. Either just at me on Twitter or send me a DM. I'm more than happy to help out people. I've helped out people in the past if they ever want to get to a Hoffenheim game, whether that be, you know, for example, this game, if a, if a Frankfurt fan contacts me and asks me to help them get a ticket, I'm more than happy to do that. So feel free, anyone who's listening, to, to reach out and to contact me. All right. Ryan O'Grady, thank you for being on the show. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm Frankfurt, la 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 la